Well, wouldn't you know it, Stefan did it again. Steph goes out, scores 21 in the fourth quarter after Kevin Porter Jr. was trash-talking him in the third. You find out that that's not a very wise thing to do. Although I got to give it up to the young pups, the Rockets. As I've mentioned on the pod here the last couple weeks, they've shown some real growth. They're playing some good ball right now. Kevin Porter Jr., Jay Sean Tate, loving what I'm seeing from Christian Wood and K. Martin Jr. off the bench, Jay Gupp, Shangoon. Whenever they're on the floor, really exciting brand of basketball, but ran into the buzzsaw last night, the Golden State Warriors. Getting back on track, Steph dropping 49 dimes. Play's playing really well right now. So that team's just fine. Remember, you know, they dropped three out of four or whatever it was, and people were like, oh, they got to do something? Nah, they're still the Warriors. But this is Keeping It 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you by the basketballnews.com podcast network. Ticket Smarter, and prize picks. Brian, I know that you want to talk trade deadline. It is less than 10 days away, so I'm sure we're going to dive into that. But first and foremost, how are you? I'm doing well. I was going to ask you the same thing. I was worried after last week's um, soliloquy that you went on talking about how you were snowed in. I, w- I wanted to make sure that you're okay. You have plenty Not of- snowed in this week. Not snowed in this week, but the problem is there is going to be another snowstorm to hit. It's coming, I think, on Wednesday night, going through Thursday. What I'm hoping is the sun today, because it's a balmy 45 degrees out here in Parma Heights, Ohio, a suburb of native Cleveland. But it is uh, sunny outside. It feels nice. So we're hoping that, you know, maybe it shaves off a few inches of the, the foot that's still on my front lawn. Uh, But the problem is it's going to rain hard tonight and that is going to freeze and then that's going to turn into snow. Might I suggest that after the podcast that you go out and fight with the natives to get some rations for the next few days? (laughs) I'm hoping that the meal kit that gets delivered to my house. I'll have enough food for the next few days. I know I'm going to be snowed in. I'm not going to be driving anywhere. Are you sure that's going to be arriving today? Because I've I've had some packages even here with a little bit of snow that we've had, and they've been pushed back a couple of days each time. Well, we're going to look it up. And if not, then there's frozen food. We've got veggies, you know, some frozen French bread pizzas. The works. The works, Brian. The works. That's good. I'm, I was worried. Right. Tyrese Maxey. Kind of outplayed Ja Morant on uh, Tuesday, on Monday night. And that was a really fun game. Ends up going into overtime. A little controversy there towards the end of the game. Seth Curry, you know, tiptoeing onto the floor when Maxi gets the wide open fast break layup to, to seal the deal. But, you know, Ja blamed it on himself to get the loss there. But I, I'm looking more the the Sixers winning a game with, without Embiid, beating that team, that Grizzlies team, the way that they're playing right now. Desmond Bain. Small pat on the back. I just did a uh, an exclusive feature with him last week, and he's. I didn't give him the curse. He scored 34 in, in that game. Uh, had seven boards, but he's been playing extremely well, and uh, that was a really fun interview to do. Uh, I, I did want to mention too, uh, based off of of 
Monday's games. Well, one, the Celtics blew the hell out of the heat, and they're starting to find out a little bit um, and, and get a little groove going. But specifically, I wanted to, to bring up Gary Trent Jr., who <laughs> these last four games, he's been as, probably as good as anybody in the NBA as far as a scoring threat goes. Just kind of out of nowhere, you know. This last four-game stretch, mind you, the last game before Monday, which was Saturday at Miami, the Raptors, they had guys playing over 53 minutes. They played basic, it says they went eight deep, but their starters took on a ridiculous load against the Heat and a big, big win over Miami uh, for the confidence there. They've won three out of four now. But in this four-game stretch, Gary Trent Jr., Averaging 42 minutes a game, Brian. 42. Averaging 32 points. He's shooting 48% for the field on 23.3 field goal attempts per game. And 12 and a half of those are threes. And he's getting two steals. So, I mean, he's going to be, if this continues, he'll be in the, the running for Eastern Conference Player of the Week. But obviously the week just started and we know who won the Player of the Week this week. But at the same time, I'm just, <laughs> wow. Gary Trent, headband Trent is what they're saying. They're calling him headband Gary over there right now. But, uh, you know, just had to shout him out. By the way, uh, Chris Paul and Joel Embiid got players of the week. Who gave him the green light like that? <laughs> uh, Nick Nurse? I guess. <laughs> I mean, somebody must have gotten his ear and said, hey. He's letting it fly, man. I was watching that game. He's, there's no hesitation whatsoever. None. And sometimes you, you knock down a couple and then you're just like, hey, man, I got it going. And he hasn't stopped for, I mean, this isn't something like just a game. Like a lot of times no. you get going, you're like, I'm just going to give myself the green light for a quarter. Like he's given it to himself for games. Yeah. 20 to, I mean, you know, 20 to 25 points a game. Sure. You know, but this is a consecutive 30, 30, 30, 30. And the amount of threes and the amount of shots he's taking is incredible. And maybe he's just taking some of that load off of Fred because Fred's been just outstanding this year. Uh, Pascal's really been playing well here as of late. He's actually probably going to get an all-star nod from me uh, on our list. We'll be doing that this week on basketballnews.com as well, pulling all of our writers and seeing who picks who for the all-star game, uh, the reserves at least. But I had to shout out Gary Trent. I mean, that was a, a tremendous clutch. Defensively, he's playing better. Like, I'm I'm paying attention to that. Maybe he's trying uh, to show to the uh, maybe he's trying to show the Raptors hires up that you know if you if you want to make a trade if you want to move somebody in this team say say a deal came for Pascal or something like that I can take those shots and and I'll be good uh, I I can I that'd can be what it was called a mutiny though Brian that would be a mutiny <laughs> if he was if that was he was holding back all year and he's like ah deadline times around. I got this. maybe some maybe Nick Nurse or somebody guys here going, hey, man, take a few more shots. We just want to prove that if we make a move, we can handle the offensive load that Pascal had. And before we get into the, the trade talks that I wanted to get into, I had a special shout out. Well, one, the OKC Thunder snapping their seven game skid against the Blazers, hapless Blazers yesterday, by the way. They were finding something uh, and then they go into OKC and get blown out by one of the worst teams in the NBA. Um, obviously, they're young. They're, they're hungry, but remember, no Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's out for a while. Uh, also, a, a time to mention here, too, that Joe Angles is out for the, the Jazz. But to the point, Josh Giddy, because I haven't been able to say his name in a few weeks. You know, it's been some tough times there. 
uh, in the heart of Oklahoma, but the youngest player in his first 45 games since LeBron James to reach 500 points, 200 rebounds, and 200 assists. So, shout out to the Aussie. Bright future ahead. Love my Thunder. I know that they're tough to watch sometimes. Might not be as organized and shooters aren't playing consistently. I mean, Lou Dort went out and, and had a good game last night, but as we know, he's been hot and cold, hot and cold this year. But future's bright. Josh Giddy's the guy. Okay, bro. Great. Lay out all the rumors on me. Uh, I'll react and we'll do that. But first, want to go to some games. Looking to go to some of the hottest, t- hottest concerts, sports, theater, family shows near you. Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. Let's get to the trade rumors. So we're nine days away. It's been quiet. There's varying reasons why that might be, including that there's not that many sellers right now, that there's a lot of teams that want to be buyers. And then some people are hesitant about what they want to trade and how much they want to give up because the rumors that have been out there so far, and tell me if you agree, have kind of been like, that's a low ball deal. And that's kind of what we typically get, you know, up until a couple of days before the trade deadline. Like things will get a lot more serious as we get closer. And, um, and we'll see, you know, if something bigger really starts to, to percolate. But there have been a couple of things that have kind of come out of the woodwork um, over the last couple of days about some more rumors. Now, the Mavericks have been an active team. And it seems like the only or the the biggest trade capital that they have is Jalen Brunson. But the more and more you hear people talk about Jalen is that the Mavericks just can't give him up. And I know that uh, he he will be um, an unrestricted free agent in the offseason. There's only so much they can offer him right now. But he either hasn't been offered it or they just know like he can get more than that on the open market. So. You know, the Mavs, are they going to be willing to pay that? It's starting to sound like yes, because right now, I don't think they're going to move him. I think they they just, they feel so confident in what he's doing. He's one of the more important guys on that team. And, you know, even though there are some deficiencies with him defensively and, and everything, I think they feel like we can't, you know, move this guy. And I, it sounds more and more like Jalen Brunson is going to be staying with the Mavericks, right? And I think that another thing that plays a part into this is Tim Hardaway Jr. going down. You're losing one of your you know, top scoring guys off the bench. Jalen Brunson, I, I know that you know he doesn't come off the bench, but uh, he is still somebody that brings that that you can close a lineup with. That right there, I think, is huge. Um, playing alongside Luca, being the guy that able to handle the ball when Luca needs a rest. Uh, that that's the difficult part in in parting ways with Jalen Brunson. You have to have a guy that's able to put it on the floor, set other guys up, uh, which he has shown. Whether Luca's been in the lineup or whether Luca's not been in the lineup, he has those abilities. He's, he's a good shifty player, stop and go. 
utilizes his advantages uh, in the post when he has a smaller body on him, which obviously it's tough when he's 6'1", but uh, you notice him in the post a little bit uh, backing down and kind of having that little herky-jerky motion when he's in the post, um, little underhand scoop layups and whatnot. So I don't think that it's a good move for them to try and trade him. Um, don't know necessarily how much you're going to get back as well just because of the you know, lack of a guarantee that he'll be back with the team that trades for him this year. But if they were looking for a suitor to trade him away because they don't want to pay him, then I'm sure there'd be plenty and plenty of suitors because he's been really turning a quarter this year. He has, you know, and the belief is that, you know, the most they can offer him is four years and 55. And it sounds like he's going to get more than that, you know, on the market. So, you know, the Mavericks will just have to re-sign him in the offseason unless they do a deal now. And um, I think they're prepared to ante up. It, I don't know what it would take to get him, but it sounds like it would be a lot. So that's why I wanted to mention him first as a guy that his name has been out there, but it sure sounds like he's going to be staying. Now, when it comes to guys that could be on the move, we've talked about Jeremy Grant plenty. And um, there's a lot of interest in him around the league. but. I, I wonder if maybe some of that interest has been diminished because Grant has let it be known that, you know, he still wants to be a top offensive option for whatever team he goes to. And it's starting to sound like if he gets moved uh, before the deadline, that the Kings are going to be his strongest suitors right now. And I'm not exactly sure what that package would be. Um, I know our Nikais Duncan even threw out there on Twitter, like uh, Buddy Heald, you know, straight up for him would make a lot of sense. I don't know what Sacramento's thinking, but it, it's starting to sound like if Jeremy Grant is going to be traded, that that uh, Sacramento might might be the best chance of, of getting him. Yeah, and when I hear that idea, I just want to throw up. Because, <laughs> because I mean, I'm just being candid and honest here because I feel like Jeremy Grant would be going to Pistons West and Buddy, he'll be going to Kings East. It's a lateral move. I I don't know how. Like, it, or the players that are frustrated on losing teams. You're just switching locations. Right. I, I mean, yeah, you'd have more of a role. Jeremy Grant would have a, a big role on the Kings because I think that Tyrese Halliburton is going to be that close to number one, but still a number two guy that sets everybody up more, again, of your Malcolm Brogdon type. Like, I don't think of Malcolm Brogdon as a franchise player per se. But I think of him as a stud point guard, somebody who can be an all-star. I see the same thing in, in Tyrese Halliburton, uh, even though, you know, might shut my mouth because Halliburton did score 38 the other night. But I think that Grant would have high usage in Sacramento in that situation. Uh, you know, you'd still have Davion Mitchell there if he's not a part of a trade. Um, depending on what happens with De'Aaron Fox, we've got to see what, what goes down. But again, I think that, Grant would be a good fit on the Kings, but the thing is, I think he desires, I mean, I know he's going to want to desire winning. That's pretty much the only place he could get traded where he is going to have a higher, a high usage role. But like, are you really going to be happy? Like, are you happy with just, you know, stacking numbers and having the ball all the time? Some people are. Some people's priorities are different. I don't know if Buddy Heald would be happy in Detroit. But, you know, when it comes to... I mean, to, Detroit needs that. Yeah, they do. Wrong. Like, Detroit needs a shooter, and it's perfect for for Cade Cunningham and, and Killian Hayes to find those guys on the outside. That's a good fit. But I'm just thinking to myself, like, 
this year. That that's just a you're switching location. But if Jeremy Grant's top priority wasn't winning right now, why didn't he stay with the Nuggets? I mean, yeah, that, that that's a that's a team that's you know in the running for you know coming out of the West, especially before yeah. they really got banged up. Like if 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 trying to win a title right now was his top priority, and I mean the Pistons did you know offer a little bit more money. I don't know how much more, but you know, I if if winning was his top priority right now, I don't think he would make sure to come out and say, "Hey, I still want to be the number one guy on offense." If another team is going to trade for me. And, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he's very upfront about it. And I'm not saying he's not trying to win, but he only wants to win in a certain situation from a standpoint that he wants to win, but he wants to be the top dog. He's ultimately going to try and be like a Bradley Beal of some sort or Damian Lillard, even though not homegrown, not drafted by a certain team. But I guess that's what he desires and more power to him. I, I just don't think that that's the place you want to go, especially the track record of our Sacramento Kings, knowing what's transpired there since 2001, I guess you could say, or 2002. Like, I, I don't know. Well, let's stay in the Kings then, because they do have some other pieces that obviously they could move. You know, Harrison Barnes is a guy that could be on the move. Um, Rashawn Holmes, they could move. Um, you know, they, they've said they don't want to trade Fox or Halliburton. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. When it comes to those guys, I think it just depends on what the offer is. Um, but he heals a guy whose name has come up. And th- there's, there's so much talk about the Kings. Typically, you say, well, if there, uh, one t- sell, sell, sell. Brian, they just got blown out by the hapless Knicks. I they know. Ju- they, they, just took, they just took a 20-point loss to the Knicks. They, they lost you know by... How bad the Knicks have been this year? I Tell me about it. I know, man. But I mean, typically when you hear about one team Warning sign. being, you know, having so much trade talk, they're going to make a move. When it comes to the Kings, who the hell knows? Quite honestly, because we've heard this before, like, oh, there's a lot of trade rumors surrounding the Kings, but they haven't done anything. So we'll see if they do something now. Um, and, I, I, you know, so much talk about the Kings and possibly making a move for the season has been, well, they could put together a package for Ben Simmons. But I just don't know if that's really going to happen with everything going on around Ben and, you know, the Sixers and that sounds like mutually bad influencers. It does. I mean, there's there's so much stuff around Ben, you know, when it comes to like, how much does he want to play basketball? Um, Even if he gets traded, you know, would he immediately come back this year? Is this year already a wash? What really is his value at this point? Um, it sounds like there's some teams that are soured on, I don't want Ben Simmons. And that's why they're not even going to ante anything up. And, you know, Daryl Morey's going to try to maximize the val- value for Ben. And there really isn't much of a value for him right now. I mean, I know it only takes one team to put a value on somebody to get what you want, but I don't think that team is out there. And if Sacramento really is being honest and saying, we're not trading Fox or Halliburton, then there's no deal for Ben Simmons there. No, there's not. And it's a team that's lost 12 out of its last 14. They started the new year with a win. They beat the Miami Heat on January 2nd. And since they've won two games. <laughs> Ironically, it was, it was back-to-back wins one against your Lakers uh, and then the Rockets. 
Those are the only two wins since. So we'll, we'll see how active they are because I mean, if they if they don't trade their two point guards, they've got other pieces, and I want to see you know how active are they in finally making a move when it comes to okay, buddy, heel, you're finally going to be traded, or Harrison Barnes has been talked about being traded for the last couple of years. Um, he seems like a guy that should be on the move, quite honestly. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to happen. How many teams are going to be active for him, what they're going to be willing to give up. Yeah. So that's going to be the tricky thing, you know, and, and is it going to come to a point too, where they could say, okay, maybe we're not getting the package that we really want for this guy, but um, we got to make a trade. So we'll take what we can get. That's see now that's what Evan Sidery argued. He just came out with an article on Monday night. Uh, apparently Shams Charania reported recently that the Hornets could be like a potential suitor. There haven't been any like significant talks, you know what I'm saying? But uh, they've shown interest. Um, so that's a team that's kind of called into it. They do really, they probably have the pieces that could make a deal work. Um, we've mentioned the Hawks in the past. I know that you, uh, once that happens, whenever it's this year or if it's in the off season or if it's the start of next season, you will be throwing yourself a party, but I think, I think you got to get something done just because, I mean, Embiid's playing so well, so well. He didn't play in that win against the Grizzlies on Monday, uh, and they still won. But, but what I'm saying is, I mean, you don't know how much longer you have this version of Embiid. You know his history as far as injuries go, bad luck, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't waste it. I, I know Ben Simmons is this incredible talent. He's an all-defender, um, an all-star level player. You can still get an all-star level player back or somebody who's going to be an all-star or potential to be an all-star in that situation. The contract is tough to work out. I understand that. But I think you got to find I think you got to find something. And if you don't do it this year, then you, you damn sure better do it in the offseason. And I don't know because what's going to be being better. Stubborn can only get, being stubborn can only get you so far. Is he going to have more value in the offseason? I don't know. I mean, you could say. I don't think he can lose value. Can, I don't, yeah, he, I don't I think don't, he can I don't, lose value because yeah. he hasn't played. Unless he really said like, oh, I still got ongoing um, you know, mental health issues and I'm not sure if I really want to be playing basketball anytime soon. If he flat out came out and said that. And that's not something he's come out and said, but there are questions to whether or not, even if he got traded this year, would he even come back on an, on another team? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that, that there's a great unknown surrounding Ben Simmons, which I think it's so difficult to gauge his value and how many teams really are interested in taking that chance. In, in how was it the first day of February? And we've been talking about this since June. That we're still talking about this because and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. The the news, the words change. The adjectives change. Somebody gets a glossary. Somebody gets a thesaurus and and just moves the the, the needles around. Maybe there's a, an important detail here or there, but it's the same story. And yet it's reported as new news. It's it's all been the same. It's he's not playing for us, so we're gonna hold out. And Ben's like, for you guys, uh, I'm not ready to come back. And I'm not going to play for you. It's been the same story for months and months and months, probably six months. So. Well, the reason like, why it's still a story is because one, it's a star or a high profile player. And two, 
you don't see this in the NBA. Typically, if a guy says, I want out, and a team will acquiesce at some point and just say, that's it. Okay, we're going to trade you. We'll take what we can get. And Daryl Morey's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take pennies on the dollar, or I'm not going to give in to a deal that I'm not happy with. Typically, teams will give in, and they'll be like, okay, I... I can accept this. They'll find a way to wrap their head around it. And Maury's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And if that means that this guy's going to sit on the sideline and not play for us this season, then so be it. I mean, we hear those threats before or something close to a threat like that, but you don't really believe it. And even a lot of people didn't believe it with Daryl here. But now I think people are really starting to believe it. Like, no, he's not kidding. He'll just let him sit on for the entire season, if not longer. He up and left Houston without moving James Harden. Yeah. So maybe he does stick to what he, his guns, man. Who knows? It's just, just, this is, this is Maury playing ball, playing ball with the, the public. He's playing ball with the reporters and trying to find some way to make him not look like the bad guy and to obviously not fold his hand. So one of the more, I think bigger names, it's not biggest name, but you know, a bigger name that got uh, mentioned in rumors this week was CJ McCollum and people were wondering like, could something happen in Portland? You know, it wouldn't be a Ben Simmons thing, but would they be open to, you know, trading uh, CJ, especially with Simon's point as well as he has been. And I believe it was the athletic that had a report that said possibly CJ to the Pelicans and that they would not be turned off by the amount of money that he is owed, which that's kind of an interesting, you know, name to put with the Pelicans. And they already know, like, this is basically a lost season. So they're looking ahead for the future. But um, that's one that we hadn't heard before. No, it's not. And uh, I think it's interesting that the Pelicans are being seen as buyers. Uh, the way that their season's gone. I will say, you know, Willie Green's figured it out a little bit. Uh, they are playing with, you know, a better energy and a better focus. Um, Jose Alvarado is one of the coolest stories in the league. Uh, I think that Josh Hart's been having a good season. Brandon Ingram went healthy, still playing good ball. Uh, Devontae Graham picking it up. JV, JV, man. I mean, I was watching him against the Cavs. He was a one-man wrecking crew, uh, you know, until it came to the, the fourth there last night. But they've been playing better is the point. I think looking at what they need, CJ actually does kind of fit the I'm skeptical because of injury history. I'm skeptical with, you know, the contract. But if David Griffin's like, hey, I got one last shot to take a swing and my big three eventually becomes Ingram, Williamson, and McCollum, I'm sure you'd go for it. I don't know if it's the best move, but I could see where he thinks the need is is necessary. But what would he because be giving up, do you think, if they were, because, you know, CJ makes 30 this year, just over 30. Yeah. So what would that package look like? It's a good question. And uh, I'm thinking immediately that Devontae Graham would have to be involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, He's making 11. Obviously, yeah, obviously, he plays that position. Uh, I think that the Blazers would ask for someone like a Josh Hart. I think that that would be a really good fit and reunite him with his buddy, Larry. Uh, and in Portland. Uh, and, you know, I look down the list and there's guys that don't play. There's Tomas uh, Sadoransky, 
who doesn't play. Uh, Garrett Temple, a veteran that's always welcome uh, in a room. Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez doesn't get consistent playing time, so that's somebody you could throw in there. Right, if you had to and make the, the money's the money work. And the thing about Sadoransky, yeah, he's in the final year of his deal. Yeah. So I mean, nice. and they've got picks. Remember, they're getting picks from both Milwaukee and from the Lakers. Yeah. So, so I mean, they could do it. It'd be odd to see a team like the Pelicans, who are—I mean—they're still fighting for play-in position. Like they're not completely out of it. Um, I think they're only like three and a half, four games back of Portland right now. Um, but it'd just be so odd to see a team that's fourteen games under five hundred be a buyer. You know. But I mean, but that's but that's what the focus on next season. That's literally to gain some chemistry before everything starts. You know, it's kind of like what Cleveland did last year. Honestly, if we're being being completely blunt, like Jared Allen gets you know traded for at the deadline. They bring in Torian Prince, and you know they start establishing chemistry before everybody gets hurt. I don't know. Maybe that's something that Pelicans are like, okay, let's hit the ground running into 2022-23 season. Do they believe that a trio of CJ, Ingram, and Zion is what they'd be happy with they could build off of and, and do really well with? Uh, if there's... That's the question. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good question. I don't know if it is in the West. Uh, I do like that lineup with you know, someone like uh, a Jonas Valanciunas in there. You know, Valanciunas and, and Zion, I think, um, make a lot of sense together. I think that um, a little more than Steven Adams, I would say. Um, I like that move in the offseason. Uh, but Zion, JV, Ingram, McCollum, and at point guard, you would obviously have to kind of make your own call there. Probably going to play. Ira Lewis after, I mean, he got injured this season and he's done, but maybe Kyra Car- Lewis is your point guard. I'm not sure. Move. I, I think they would have DJ to find, Br- yeah, you know, they'd have de facto. They would have to make some other kind of move, I think, to get a point guard in the offseason. I don't know yeah. who that would be right now, but yeah, there, there would have to be other moves to come. You'd have to get someone to be able to organize. Yeah. But good idea. So, uh, one other name that's popped up this past week a little bit more, Spencer Dinwiddie of the Wizards, and you know he hasn't been. That was our that was our our buddy Eric Pincus, by the way, on Bleacher Report. He's doing a hell of a job dropping these trade nuggets. Oh yeah, not usually his forte, but he's been been doing some real good work the last you know month or so on dropping these trade nuggets. So shout out to you, EP. Love you, buddy. That's because he's so bored because the Lakers suck. Okay, that, that that's all it is. <laughs> no, no, Eric is great. Um, but I mean, Dinwiddie's name has been out there. Everybody thought that he would be a good fit with the Wizards in that backcourt with uh, Bradley Beal, but it hasn't really worked out. Dinwiddie has been a little bit more forthcoming about some things uh, lately and even said, like, I wanted to do, take a leadership role with this team early on the season, and that was frowned upon. Um, and he's not having the best year. You know, he is starting um, the first year of a three-year deal where he's making about 17 mil per so maybe Dinwiddie could be on the move and I'd be curious to see what teams might be interested in him and what they could get for him at this point. That's a good question. And it, it, it's actually quite, you know, disappointing for myself because I thought that this was one of the most underrated moves of the, the off season. Mm-hmm. Clearly not um, the same after that injury so far. Um, not like he was ever like an amazing shooter or anything, but playing 30 minutes a game for the first time in a couple seasons. You know, obviously, uh, he's not been himself 
uh, as a shooter, um, not getting to the rim quite as much. I think that uh, defensively he's fallen off a little bit, which is not him. Uh, you know, you you obviously want to see him get better um, on the defensive end, uh, but that kind of takes time with these kinds of injuries. Ah, uh, I, I think that he's definitely probably somebody that fits on, on a team. Uh, maybe to push him over the edge. Problem is, he's making a lot of money. Making a lot of money. He's on the contract for three years. It's a tradable deal. It's not like he's making 30 or even it's, 25. It's the 17 to 18 million. Yeah. Range. But I'm, so that, it's a dent. Yeah. You know? It is. No, it's a dent. You're, you're, you're correct there. But he's absolutely going to command interest across the league. Just, I think a lot of teams would love him as a six man right now. I think a lot of teams would go for that. And one team that popped up in my head, actually, when I was doing a radio interview last night was the Cavs. That would be an interesting option because they want another Considering that Rajon Rondo's not getting the job done. And I mean, Brandon Goodwin stepped up big time for them against the Pelicans. But you probably don't want him playing, you know, 20, 25 minutes a night. But that so, that's a doable deal, though, for the Cavs from the standpoint that if you're looking at about 17, that's Rubio's contract right there is a spy, expiring deal. So is that something the Wizards would do for like a pick in Rubio? I'm thinking that they would. Um, and that would make a logical sense too for the Cavs because then you'd have someone under team control as well. So, I mean, let's make a deal if that's how they feel. Yeah, and it, I still don't think... I still don't think moving Rubio is, is, is a good look uh, for the team and knowing the impact he's had in that locker room and how the locker room would probably react um, early on. But if you're looking to, at this season and, and towards the next few, I think that'd be a brilliant move. I think that'd probably be the best option they have out there because I really don't like the Schroeder move for the Cavs. Uh, the Schroeder rumors, I'm not a big fan of. I know he's really good as a backup point guard. Don't get me wrong there. I, I just don't think that He's the guy that's going to move the ball quite as much. He's more of that kind of scoring punch off the bench. Um, and they have that in Colin Sexton. And reports that Colin could be back by the playoffs too now. So not exactly a big fan of that. Um, but that's, that's just Cavs needs. But for Dinwiddie in particular, yeah, anyone that needs a, a backup point guard or someone to fill those point guard spot minutes, I think he's a great fit. Well, speaking of the Cavs, and, you know, you mentioned Sexton and maybe he can come back before the end of the season. And, you know, he's going to have to get a new contract come the offseason. How, how interested are the Cavs in possibly moving him now? Because, I mean, they've got their core. I think they found something that has worked. And maybe it'll be a best situation for both sides if they traded Sexton now. Well, he's been on the sidelines with him. And he's been in the middle of those huddles. Everybody loves him. He's gravitating towards the team. The way that this is looking right now, I don't think he's going anywhere. I really don't. I think he's going to be back on a one-year prove-it deal or maybe a one-and-one, however you want to do it. No, there's not that many suitors in the offseason. Free agency, you're not going to get this huge offer because he didn't play this year. So I don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. Just based on the vibes and, and how it looks. and you know, recent reports too from, uh, you know, Chris Fedor and Kelsey Russo of the athletic just about how this team doesn't want to break up a good thing. They don't want to mess with it. Just kind of how I was saying earlier in the season about the Jenga pieces. Remember that analogy? 
So, and I know it doesn't have to do with anything on the court, but Rubio and Sexton, albeit that they're out for the season pretty much, at least uh, Rubio is, we don't know with Sexton yet, but those are still two very important pieces behind the scenes. And that, I think, is, is the big picture looking at this. They are, but at the same time, I think when it comes to Rubio, because he's on an expiring contract and that can be so attractive, and with, oh, it's an asset. And it's absolutely an asset. As well as they are playing right now. And they're willing to move move a first-round pick. Right. Don't forget that. The but, Cavs are more than willing to move a first-round pick. But the Cavs can look at saying, I know we're a really young team. We have outperformed expectations this year. And while the East is strong overall, it's been topsy-turvy. And, you know, the Bucks are where they're at. The Nets are where they're at. Both teams are not near the top of the conference right now. But... You know, they're, they're fifth and sixth, respectively. We expect them to be there come the end of the season. But who knows, considering what has gone on this NBA season, we still have a ways to go before we get to the playoffs. So is there a move that we really feel like this is a strong move to shore us up for this season and at least one or two more seasons to go where we say, as much as Ricky has been an important part of our locker room, and even what he did on the court before he got injured. We have to make this deal now. We have to utilize this asset while we can. I think that their disabled player exception can do that. 8.5 million. And if you're going to use a pick, I think you can do that. You can absorb somebody. And I, I think that Dennis Schroeder fits right into that. Even though I don't like the fit, Dennis Schroeder fits into that. I don't think Schroeder's think, a good fit there either. Yeah, No, I agree. But what I'm saying is if you get him free, essentially, you know, like that's, that's how I'm looking at it. I don't think that they want to shake things up. Too um, but Dinwiddie, I think, could be an exception to the rule because of team control and because, you know, he's still a veteran and he's on a three-year deal. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got a Dennis Schroeder for, for basically for free with the 8.5 million Sabre player exception. The rule with the, the DPE, though, is that you can only trade for somebody who's on an expiring contract uh, and absorb their salary. That's that's the rule with that. So Yeah, that would work but, for Schroeder and the Celtics want to move off of him so they don't have to pay the tax. Correct. Well, yes. Speaking of the Celtics, uh, widely known once again, uh, tell me if you've heard this um, in past years, that uh, Marcus Smart could be had. It's the annual Marcus Smart rumors. Um, so, and we'll, we'll see, you know, because I mean, they just signed him to the new contract, but it sounds like they'd be willing to move him. You know, Schroeder's going to be the easier one to move, but I guess, you know, there's not only tax implications when it comes to this, but it's like fit wise. And I think if the Celtics are going to move off of smart, I think they would have to get a point guard in this because they desperately need a point guard to see if they can help on the, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and you know, don't tell Marcus smart. He's not a point guard because he will tell you he is, but um, sure. I think they need more of a pass first, get the ball moving kind of guy there. And, you know, let's see if one can be had, you know, for smart. No, that's not, you know, that's not, uh, you know, something that we haven't heard before. My deal is, you know, Marcus smarts actually been playing well lately. <laughs> And, and this starting lineup in particular, um, and Ethan Fuller's talked about this on basketballnews.com, the starting lineup actually plays really well together. And uh, they've been putting together some momentum here as of late. Um, 
now kind of climbing up the uh, Eastern Conference standings, 27 and 25. Um, still only in ninth place, but that's because everybody in the East is good, uh, aside from like four teams. <laughs> so uh, that's tough. That's a tough one to figure out. Now, don't, by all means necessary, if they need to get a point guard, and actually, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking now that Dinwiddie would make sense for them. <laughs> but, uh, like, Marcus Smart also I look at as the heart and soul of the team. It's almost like, I don't want to, like, compare skill stats, but he's like a Pat Bevish type uh, of, of leader out there. I don't know if they end up moving him at the deadline. I think that's something that they would do in the offseason. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a revamp attempt, I think that they would still, you know, quote unquote, run it back uh, to, to, you know, get through this little patch here. They've won four out of five. Uh, they just beat the hell out of Miami, even though Miami was shorthanded. But remember, but if you play, decide they're to playing take, better defensively, too, yeah. if you decide to take on smart, he's owed four years, 75 million. Correct. And that's that's an upscale contract too. Like that's increasing by each year. Yeah. Don't forget that. So that's another part that's difficult to to move. But you just look at teams that are, you know, guard needy or defensive needy, and I'm sure that they would, you know, inquire. There would be people that inquired about him that don't need him to be a point guard to distribute to people. There's probably a team out there. You know, but I don't know. I don't think he ends up getting moved. It's I don't think so either. Song and dance. Yeah, I agree. Oh, let me let me bring up one other team here and players that could be on the move, and that's the Clippers because obviously they don't have Kawhi. Who knows if he's coming back this year? Paul George is still out with the elbow injury. It's sounding more and more likely he's not coming back, and he's going to need elbow surgery. So the Clippers do not own their pick. Remember, it's going to Oklahoma City. They're still playing hard. They're still trying. But, Damn right they are. They're, they're scrapping right now, man. They're scrapping away. Ty Lue has got the, the young pups playing well. He's got the vets, you know, believing and playing well. They're actually eighth in the West right now. Yeah. So that that's that's incredible stuff. But you have to wonder, like, how active could they possibly be? You know, Serge Ibaka's owed almost $10 million. He's on an expiring deal. You know, they could, they could move him. Um, would they be open to moving Eric Bledsoe if they could find, you know, another team? He's got one year left, you know, for a little over 19. Um, would they be open to a Marcus Morris getting moved? Um, even Luke Kennard, who's definitely played better as of late. Um, I know that, um, Brian Winhorst of ESPN is kind of thrown out there. Like, you know, they want to get another point guard and get ready for next season. Could they package several of those guys and get, wait for it, John Wall out of Houston? Oh, interesting. Interesting. I don't know if Houston would want to do that one, but um, I mean, Abaka's on an expiring, so I can definitely see that one. I mean, the Clippers would want to get off that, you know, just for salary purposes right now. Remember, like, Everybody always wants to talk about the Thunder because the Thunder is still what twenty million under the the cap threshold. So maybe a deal could be had there where it's just like Serge Ibaka for a second round pick or something. I, so yeah, you know, yeah, no, I I could see them definitely moving two or three vets. They're not going to yeah. give up all their vets though. 
I because they're still going to want to run it. They're, they're going to want to have the team next year. They want to have the they need the some championship yeah. contending team next year. So they still need some vets. I think some you know a, a guy like a Nick Batum could get moved. Uh, you mentioned Ibaka. I think that's absolutely possible. Um, Eric Bledsoe maybe he gets moved because you know I, I'm looking at guys like Terrence Mann and uh, Amir Coffey who's been playing really well as of late. Who would want Eric uh, on Bledsoe? Both ends of the floor. I'm sorry, but who wants Eric Bledsoe at that money? Can find people. Hey, there you go. OKC. How about OKC takes takes back uh, Ibaka and Bledsoe, and they give him one of the one of their seven hundred. No, uh, that, you no. Know, if you're taking a Bledsoe and that money, you better be attaching a pick. <laughs> and the Clippers don't have any. That's true. <laughs> they don't have it. You know, so I I don't know. 18, I mean, eighteen nineteen million dollar. Deal. You'd have to be getting a higher paid guy to put Bledsoe in a deal and it would be for to make the money work kind of a thing. But I mean, that that's kind of the boat that the Clippers are in right now and we'll see how aggressive they're going to be. And I guess it probably just depends on who they can get, mm-hmm. you know? So I would say the same. Let's, um, we could talk about some more trade stuff here in a minute, but in the meantime, I think we need to talk about our friends over at price picks. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, Prefacing this, my uh, streak has come to an end. It was one week. I had one week of correct prize picks. That didn't work out so well for me uh, last time out. Uh, but uh, I'm going to be all cheery for all of you because I'm going to tell you right now. All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on prize picks will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 smackaroos. So sign up at prizepicks.com or app.prizepicks.com. Make your player prop picks today, and that's what we will be doing. By the way, I am not on a losing streak from picks on this podcast because I did hit last week. Congratulations. You're welcome. So, in fact, I, I had a, well, on for our picks, I had a little bit of a run because I had actually hit on football one and, and the NBA one until I, um, you know, had another night of NBA picks where I did not hit and um, I did not hit on the NFL this past weekend. So I'm on a little bit of a slide now too, but I did hit last week here on the pod. I haven't hit in anything in the NFL in general, <laughs> but, but that's besides the point. Let's, let's lay on the picks for Tuesday night. Okay. Tuesday night. Do you want me to start with mine real quick or do you want to go with yours? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll punch mine out real quick. Um, I always like to take overs for whatever reason, uh, but I am taking uh, Cade Cunningham over 16 and a half points as he will be home against the Pelicans. Uh, I have second night of a back-to-back against the Pelicans, but yeah, uh, DeJounte Murray. He is uh, home against the Warriors. I have Murray at the over 20 and a half and I am taking you know it. Kyle Kuzma points, rebounds, assists over 33 and a half. My man Kuz. Here he goes. He loves him some Kuz. He loves him some Kuz. All right. Let's rip through ours. And first, I don't know and have the number. I just remember the players. So Brian's going to go ahead and tell you. Actually, never mind. I have it. <laughs> Disregard. Disregard. OG Ananobi. 
over 24 and a half points, rebounds, assists. I want to give you a stat real, real, real quick here. Six games that he's played on the second night of a back-to-back. Do you know what Mr. Ananobi is averaging? 21 points, five rebounds, three assists, 129 offensive rating, 111 defensive rating. That turns out to be an 18 net rating. 64.2 true, true shooting percentage. He loves to play these back-to-backs. So that one actually came with a little bit of research and not just pointing out of nowhere. Aren't you proud of me? Mm-hmm. Next one. Mr. Io, Mr. Io Desunmu. Very excited about this one. 18 and a half points, rebounds, assists. Loving what Io has done with no Lonzo Ball, with no Alex Caruso. He's just stepping in and being the man in this starting lineup right now. But last game, he had 11 assists. That's what I'm looking at. And I think for sure he can score at least 10 points. So 10 points, 8 assists, maybe 3 or 4 rebounds, gets the job done. So I'm all in on Mr. Desonmu. And plus, if this ends up being a blowout against Orlando, he'll get some time because he's a youngin. He's a rookie. So there's the logic between that one and my death one. And apparently it's off the board now because it must have been a mistake. But I think Brian got it submitted for me. I did. I'm looking right now. It's not in there. But it's Mikel Bridges. Against the Brooklyn Nets, over one and a half blocks and steals. That's a gimme. You got it. You got Prize it. Prize picks saw that one off the bat and said, nope, but we got it in. It's basically my Taco Tuesday. We call that one. I think he's going to have at least three of those tonight. So that's my list. OG Ananobi, over 24 and a half. And uh, Io DeSumo, over 18 and a half. Those are points, rebounds, and assists. And Mikel Bridges, one and a half. Blocks and steals took the over on that puppy. So, guys, prizepicks.com, all users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So, a couple last things when it comes to potential trades as we come up here on the deadline. I threw in our outline a couple of trades that I would like to see. I see that. I wanted to get your reaction if you have any others feel free to throw them at me. And, and the ones that I'm talking about are not blockbusters. I like these. No, that that's actually a really good exercise there, Bri. I, I like this. So I have the Phoenix Suns getting Thaddeus Young from the Spurs. And that could happen either at the deadline or at the, the buyout too, by the way. It could. And I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there'd be a couple of teams that would probably be interested in, in Thad. So maybe if you can get a deal for him. You mm-hmm. want to do that before trying to wait until the uh, the buyout market. Um, sure. I have the Cavs getting Eric Gordon from the Rockets. It sounds like the Rockets are getting a lot of calls about Gordon, but nothing. Uh, nobody's anting up too much yet. They'd take a first round pick. Yeah, they so. should absolutely. And he's still. I'm, I'm not sure if I necessarily like the Gordon fit, but um, can always use more shooting. Sure. Um. With Joe Ingles going down for the Jazz, and it looked like they were kind of, you know, being active anyway. I have them getting Gary Harris from the Magic. Okay. And Harris has played a lot better as of late. Oh, yeah. No, he's had a good season. Yes. No one's paying attention because he's down in Orlando. No offense to the Magic, but it's just how it is. Yeah. 
Same with, I, I mean, Terrence Ross isn't having a great year, but that's a, some, that's a candidate for different environment and play really well for sure. Just because we've seen it in the past from Terrence Ross, but those are two guys that I think uh, absolutely could be had. Oh yeah. And then and the thing about Gary Harris too, is he's going to play better defense than Terrence Ross as well. Sure. So he was a guy that I thought would, could fit with what Utah is doing. Um, he's shooting 37% from, you know, three point range as well. Brings more athleticism than Joe. Joe, Joe's still a really good player and unfortunately got injured, but he was starting to show a little bit of his age. So I feel, I feel terrible for him, by the way. Like, I hope that's not, I hope that's not it. I, you know, it's brutal to see him go down. You know, he's writhing in pain. He screamed out as soon as the, you know, he planted the, the, the left foot. And it just pains to see him because, you know, so much history with angles and the jazz and, you know, the playoffs and, and this guy coming out of nowhere and, I love the tweets yesterday from a lot of the younger players that are like, this guy comes onto the court and he just cooked me. I think uh, Josh Hart said that. Uh, And it's just funny to see because, you know, just an unassuming looking guy, but a a really solid basketball player for the majority of his career in the NBA. And yeah, he's taking a step back this year, but you know, it's a little bit of age and you know, this is obviously the, the, the the end for him this season, Uh, but hopefully that's not it. And the other deal that I had was Harrison Barnes. Here we go. To the Denver Nuggets. Barnes. The, you would put him at the four and put Gordon at the three? Yeah. Or someone would be, who would be in that deal for you? Well, that, that's where we have to look at because you're talking about, you know, Barnes makes 20 million and he's got one more year left at 18. Um, so you just, Barton would have to be in the deal. Yeah, I mean Barton and Jermichael Green. I feel like Jermichael something Green like not- that, or or Jeff Green. Ooh, I see. I don't like moving Jeff. Jermichael has largely not been playing as of late. I know you right. know, had injuries, but he does have a player uh, option like, for next year. It's just over. And eight. secondly, yeah. And secondly, too, uh, Zeke Naji has been playing a little more and more for the Nuggets here as of late, uh, and he plays his position. Yeah. So that's the other thing about it. And they have Boogie. They have, you know, these bigger guys. And Jermichael's kind of being phased out in a way. Um, so I feel like Jermichael Green's a, a candidate that could be moved. Um, I know that they love Will Barton, but you get Jamal Murray back maybe in the next few months. You know, you have Monte Morris, who's your assist-to-turnover ratio god. Like, But, I mean, even if you're looking at a deal... To not only help you this year, but next. Because, I mean, who look at the Nuggets. I mean, they lose two of their top three players, and they're currently the fifth seed. And they've won five in a row because mm-hmm. Jokic just played so well. They just smacked up the Bucks. Yes, the they Bucks did. The Bucks at full strength, by the way. That, that was the with Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday all playing. And that was on the road, too. Yeah. But, yeah. I No, I, I think that's a... That's a cool trade. I, I think Harrison Bards can literally play anywhere and be a good ad. Like, I, I think so too. I was just trying to find like, what, what, what is a team that would make some sense for him that, you know, is looking for just a good solid guy to add. How funny, how funny is it? <laughs> uh, we start the podcast with the Kings and it all circles back. It just all it does. circles back to Sacramento. Well, I, I wanted to bring up this too. I have this fun little exercise. I have a friend of mine that I like to send him fake Russell Westbrook trades. And I try to come up with some like 
crazy stuff every now and then. Some of them I like, ah, you know, look at this, you know, this works. It's kind of stupid stuff like that, you know, just use the trade machine. But every now and then I try to throw one out that I go, oh, this almost makes some sense, right? So I sent him one the other day where it was Russ to the Knicks and I had the Lakers getting back Fournier, Kemba Walker, and Derrick Rose. What I didn't realize is that Bobby Marks of ESPN on a podcast on the low post podcast, like it was like, I think it was the next day or maybe the same day that there was to my buddy proposed the same trade, except for having uh, Derek Rose, he had Alec Burks in the deal. Wow. And he was like trying to justify dude, Zach Lowe's head almost blew up. Yeah. He was like, I need a moment. I need a moment. <laughs> but the reason being is that the Knicks have struggled so far this year. They're below 500. You know, Randall hasn't played as well as he did last year. And some of the guys that they went out and got have not played well. And they're focusing more on their younger guys. And say what you will about Russ, but he brings energy to a team and he could cook a little bit. And he only has one year left on his deal. So that way you can get off like the Fournier deal um, and whatnot. And maybe the Lakers would include like the 2027 pick. And that would be something that the Knicks would be interested in. So could that make sense? I don't know. It's wild. It is. I don't have any hypotheticals in my mind, but I could pull some of the ones that we have on our website. Please do. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, the destinations was just written by Brian Faseca last week. Uh, he thinks that they're a perfect fit for the Mavericks. I happen to agree because there's been a revolving door at that center position for them. Uh, and he's, you know, athletic. Gets rebounds, consistently that energy guy. I like that. I think that's a good move. I think the Hornets could also look at someone like Rashawn or, uh, you know, one of those those bigs that are available potentially. Um, I know Miles Turner was one uh, that that's been on. The, we haven't been talking about him because he's been hurt, and the Pacers have shut him down uh, at least until you know the deadline. So that could make sense for the Hornets. You know, Miles Miles Turner being one of those. Um, those are just a couple that, that that come up in my mind. Paul Millsap's on the block. I don't know what team is going to give up a whole lot for Paul Millsap, but Paul Millsap doesn't play for the Nets. So if you want a vet that's going to give you spot minutes, you know, 12, 15 a game uh, and, and contribute, I'm sure that somebody out there would love Paul Millsap. Maybe the Jazz. Jazz could be a good fit for the Millsap just coming back. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that it's not going to be this amazing deadline. We're not going to get shocked out of nowhere, I don't think, at least, uh, as we have in recent years past. Remember that Harden trade took us out of nowhere in early, November, or early uh, January last year. Been no such thing happening this year. There's only been some minor-ish moves to this point. I think Rondo to the Cavs is really the only... What's the other one? Uh, Mie Oni got moved from the Jazz. You're talking about two moves that are like, less than minor. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's not been. Yeah. And by the way, you mentioned Harden. The whole, you know, could, you know, the Nets actually trade James Harden garbage that was out there. Um, that That is definitely simmered down now. And like, if Harden's going to go to Philly, it's going to be in the offseason. And that's going to be a whole other, you know, months and months of talk and speculation and all the tampering, you know, charges that get into that and. 
you know, all the behind the scenes of why would he go there? But all the belief right now is if that is going to happen, the Nets sure are sounding like, um, we're not going to help you do that. Like if that's something that's going to happen, we're, we are not going to help facilitate that in any way. I mean, you're talking about a team that's not only, you know, <laughs> contending like us, they're not only in the East like us, they're in the same division. There's no way in hell we're going to help you with that. Right. Why would you help with your own demise? And we're not, because they're not interested in Ben Simmons. Or at least not right now. And they're not going to help facilitate that right now. I mean, in the off season, who knows? I still tend to think no. But if you do some cap gymnastics, there is a way where Philly can get James Harden, you know, in salary cap space. Like they can create enough to get him. Again, I don't like that fit. I talked about it on our watch party last week. James Harden, somebody that loves the pick and roll. Joel Embiid's not a pick and roll big. Joel Embiid is somebody that you get it to him in the post or he likes handling the ball his own damn self. He plays off the ball, sure, but Harden finds these guys on the pocket passes and on the lobs. I don't see Embiid as that type of center. This doesn't feel right to me. And he demands the ball. I think, I think too, I mean, th- there's never no reason not to trade for a James Harden caliber player, but I'm looking at, you know, Maxi coming into his own a little bit. I I've got, you know, still this amazing asset and Ben Simmons to make a deal. I don't know if, I don't know if Harden's the one and Harden's too getting, he's getting a little older. The other, you could look at it that way. He definitely is. I mean, he's still working his way into getting in shape this year. I mean, he's having a good year. He's an all-star. He's he is. An all-star. I mean, he's had some ups and downs, but he he's rounding into form now. Agreed. Finally. I would, I would agree. By the way, um, let me throw out one other um, hypothetical, if you want to call it, craptacular uh, trade rumor. Or I'm making it up. I'm saying trade rumor, but let me throw it out there. Crap, because crap. everybody wants... I say craptacular because it's the poo-poo platter that the Lakers have been offering up to anybody and everybody of Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. Um, oh, Th- these are the assets that they are working on. in a 2027 first round pick, um, which I think actually has value because the Lakers could really stink by that. <laughs> you know, I mean, that could yeah. be a good pick. Yeah, you never know. But if you have those two guys, which add up to about 15 million, if you're the Knicks, would you be interested in that just to get it for Fournier, just to get off of Fournier's deal and say, well, Horton Tucker, at least is young. We can try him. You know, Nunn's got, he can opt in for next year at five. Who knows if he will, probably will, but, you know, and, you, you know, Fournier's on the books for three more years, four more years, three more years. He is three more on the books through 25, but 24, 25 is a team. up. Okay. So it's three years if they don't want to. Right. It's this so year. So it's at least two. Right. So does that work money wise? If you put yeah, Tucker and Nunn together? Mm-hmm. Hell, I'd do it. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just trying to Hell, make up I, stuff. I, I would do it. I would do it. Let me, I'm going to double check my math on that. It, it was, it was, it wasn't so, wasn't so long ago that Kendrick Nunn was a rookie of the year candidate. Right. I mean, but I mean, this is the worst bone bruise in the history of the NBA that he's dealing with right now. True. I mean, something that went under the radar 
last week is that so when none was about to come back and we mentioned this last week about like you know he had a setback well eric pincus kind of threw it out there like oh by the way the word is that he's not going to be back for a month or two that's that's you're talking about almost the entire season game yet yeah he's he stood up for what one preseason game something like that yeah I'm, I'm double checking right now, but um, yeah, that trade works uh, money wise. Okay, I would consider it. I mean, the Knicks would even Hell. be getting and back less money. It would make sense money. for the Lakers because you know what Evan Fournier can do as a catch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got a guy that I mean he's going to lack on defense, um, but you know he's a wing guy and he can shoot. He hasn't shot this great. I would consider it. I, you know what? I would consider I, it. I would also demand, I would demand pick. I would demand that pick ba- uh, back. See, if I was the I Lakers, I'd be like, man, I, I can't do the, you know, I mean, maybe a second round pick. But I don't know. Yeah, I would play hardball. I would play hardball on that one. Right. Because Ta- Talon's not been the asset that they, or player that they thought that he would be at the moment. Remind me He's again why the stuff, Lakers but. said, you know what? If we have $10 million, we're going to put it into the promise of Taylor Horton Tucker rather than Alex Caruso, who had a big, who had an active role in us winning a championship. You have to bring this up. I do have to bring it up every time week. because it's asinine. Every single week. And by did, the way, did guys, the, did Brian, the New Orleans Pelicans have to trade Drew Holiday? Did they have to? Brian is an interesting fan, by the way. He'll text me. He's like, all oh, the Lakers are going to lose 130 to 85. And Russell Westbrook, lo and behold, comes back and plays a hell of a second half against the Hornets. Yeah, he took a jumper to the end of the game, but I didn't whatever. have a problem you know, with it. Feeling it. I didn't have a problem but with it. The jumper. thing is, they, 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 they lose by two. But like, this, is, this happens every week. But they he'll text me and he'll be like, oh, they're going to lose by like 30 and Vogel's going to get fired. I haven't said the Vogel's going to get fired thing yet, but um, hey, who cares if he does at this point? Jesus. Such a fan. It's so funny. But it's like funny. My, my, my friends, it reminds me of my friends at Browns games. We'll go down seven to nothing at the end of the first quarter. And they're like, oh, game's over. Season over. How many times, though, was LA down by 20 in that game, though? I, I can't I believe know. they didn't yeah. roll over. Yeah, no, they kept fighting. fighting. But you know what? Playing better. It doesn't matter if you don't win. <laughs> because you know what? When they, when they put the number in the wins and loss category, they don't put the score. They don't say, yeah, but it was close. You played hard. It is, it is, it is uh, definitely re- relatable, though, and relevant that uh, LeBron James is going to be out the next few games. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder just by the, the was it irritation? Knee irritation? Yeah, yeah. So he's, okay. he's missed a couple I wonder of games. If that, I wonder if that is saying, okay, I'm shutting it down just for this week, and then we'll, we'll come back next week and see what happens. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, you knew it was worse than you originally thought when he did not accompany the team to Atlanta and went back to LA for treatment. So you missed a couple of games there. He's going to miss playing Philly. Yeah. And he's going to miss Wednesday night in Portland. And then it's kind of like, we'll wait and see at that point. And the belief is that you probably miss a couple more games. So I think they're trying to, you know, err on the set of caution, but yeah, that means he could be five or six games. And when you're talking about the Lakers right now, I mean, they can't afford to, you know, fall further behind. And, and you know, you know, Anthony Davis has played well since he's come back. Um, yes. 
it's amazing. It seems like his shot has come back now. Um, slimmer, like you said, you were texting me. He looks slimmer. He looks he, a little. He's, he's moving, moving better. around the court. But I mean, yeah. he comes back, and you know, he already injured his wrist. Mm-hmm. You know, so he already missed. A, he came back and missed a game, and then he came back. You know, uh, against Atlanta, but I mean, his wrist is hurting. I mean, they, you know, they missed Monk for a game and then he came back and he had a great game in Atlanta. He's been the bright spot for the Lakers so far this season, quite honestly. Him, Stanley. Tim, Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves have been the bright spot for the Lakers. And did you think you were going to be saying those words? <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. But Stanley Johnson was an afterthought in many people's minds. He wasn't in but the league, I thought, man. I thought what was a cool, I thought it was super cool though that Stan Van Gundy got to call Stanley Johnson game. Uh, last week, yeah, just because of their their history together on the the Pistons together, that was pretty cool. By the uh, way, I I was going to mention this too. I think there is a Hall of Famer on the Lakers roster that this could be his final year, and that's Dwight Howard because he does not look right. Because Dwight's game the last couple of years, especially, has been predicated on energy and just beating people up and down the court and now hustling people, and it's not there. I feel like he's also had inconsistency, like in the rotation. And when that you have has been too, but in the rotation, that has that definitely has an effect on you. But earlier in the season, even when there was some of that, like then he would get the play, and you'd be like, "All right, he, Dwight's out there," and he's just like, "I'm going to show you what I can do." I haven't seen that in the last couple of months. Okay, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's still in great shape. I mean, but you know. <laughs> That's not, this isn't a bodybuilding contest. Right. And he's also, you know, getting up there in age as well. Yes. Also have to be cognizant of that. Oh, that's a good, good question. We got one more note on here. We can hit that and then we can uh, wrap things up. Did you want to talk about the Sixers? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, nothing to do with Ben Simmons. Yes. <laughs> nothing to do God. with Ben Simmons. Uh, we've already kind of addressed Joel Embiid playing at the MVP level, but. Uh, you know, they've won five in a row. They just beat the the red hot Grizzlies. Um, they're climbing up those Eastern Conference standings. You know, it's really it's it it's an arms race there right now. You know, Chicago's at the top, but they've been iffy because they've been missing, you know, two very top rotational players. Actually, three if you want to count Derek Jones Jr. And they've been without Patrick Williams all year, so if you want to say that. But uh, they're at the top of the East, followed by Miami, 32 and 19, Philly, 31 and 19, Cleveland, 31 and 20. There are five 31 <laughs> for 31 plus win teams in the, the top five there. It's just incredible. Uh, but this race is incredible. Just looking at how close together and bunched up they are. One through 12 is separated by eight games or less, which is nuts. One through seven is separated by four games or less. And the seventh seed currently is the Hornets. Obviously, been picking it up as well. So it's a be close. This is coming down like it's not like there's like a lot of season left. Like there's like twenty ish games left. That's that's gonna come down to the wire. Easter Conference is gonna come down to the wire. There's 31 games left for most teams. So we're yeah. you've got about a third of the season to go. Yeah. A little bit more than that. But I mean, I guess the question with Philly is, and this goes a little bit to the trade deadline, and not just about Ben, but you you could do other moves. 
you know, not including him, but like, do the Sixers have enough to win it all this season? Because we could sit there and say, Hey, look at where the standings are right now. You know, they're half game out of the top seed in the East, you know, the bucks and the nets, like you said before, you know, are behind them right now. They're not where we thought they would be, but you know, once they get healthy, I think everybody still believes that they're going to, you know, they're going to be playing a lot better. So does Philly need to make a move or, or do, do, does Philly even have enough right now considering the way that Embiid has played to really win a championship this year? Or is it one of these great for the regular season, not good enough for the playoffs kind of a team? It depends on if Embiid's limping into the playoffs. You got to look at his minute load. You got to look at the usage he has. Like, it catches up. It really catches up. That's why I'm kind of worried about the Raptors. Like, had guys playing 55 minutes the other night. And they're doing it because they got to stay where they're at the standings. They got to play their best players. I understand that. But minutes loads, man, they matter. And when I look at Joel Embiid, we know that that's somebody who has a history, as I mentioned earlier. We know that. He has these, you know, kind of points in the season where he needs to rest off a knickknack injury or a soreness or some sort of irritation, you know, like that we were just talking about. They keep him around the minute load that he's been playing. I think they'll be okay. He's playing around 33 minutes a game. It's nothing outrageous. But they have to keep it that way. They've got to be able to play without him. That's why they have an Andre Drummond who, by the way, Drummond... Drummond had an amazing game uh, against the the Grizz, by the way. Uh, not just, you know, on the boards. He had 23 boards, but, uh, you know, bringing out the playmaking, uh, you know, really getting in there uh, offensively and, uh, you know, kind of Im- imposing his will. I think, you know, that's a good insurance policy to have, and that's also somebody that can spell Embiid for 10 to 15 minutes, you know? So that's important. I think it's also important that Danny Green makes his shots. I think it's important that Seth Curry continues to make his shots. That That's what it all depends on. It's offensively is what I'm looking at with that team. That, can they do the things yeah. without Embiid? And last night they proved that they're capable of it, but can they do it on a consistent basis? I still feel like they're one you know, rotation guy away. And I'm not saying sure. it has to be a top guy, but I, I just think they need a little bit more depth. And I'm not exactly sure where they sure. get that. And it's like, is that a deal you can make right now? Or is that something you can get, you know, in the buyout market? Because there's going to be a lot of competition, you know, for that. And I, you know, I mean, everybody wants the same thing. Three and D, right? I want, I want a three and D. I want a wing guy. Um, is Justin Holiday going to push you over the top? Someone like that? Is it Gary Harris, as we've been mentioning? Like, I mean, I, I, I definitely think Gary Harris would help. I mean, I, I, I like him a lot. Are they going to end up moving off of Tobias Harris? Like, even if it's not a part of a, a Ben Simmons deal, are they going to stick with Tobias Harris? You know, I, I, like I don't think Tobias these is going to question. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Tobias, I don't know who's going to want to trade for him right now. To me, if, if he gets moved and it's not part of some mega Ben Simmons deal, I think Tobias wouldn't get moved until the offseason. And by the way, like as as much as we come down on Tobias, it's all about it's really about the the, the contract. He's having like a, a kind of above average season still. Right. Like 
You know, like he's not playing horribly. It's just, it's the consistency that we've talked about time and time again with him. Yeah. I mean, after this year, he has two years le- or yeah, two years left in his deal making like he came out and scored 35 yeah. or 31 last night. So, so I mean, like, he's making almost 36 million this year. And that, that's where it is. I mean, if, if he was making 20 million, then, you know, obviously people wouldn't be talking about this. Like, Oh, Tobias Harris, you know, gotta be doing more. Yeah. He probably he does, but I mean, he's not, he's never been a number one guy. He's being paid like a number one guy. Yeah. I would agree. So, I mean, I don't know. Is is Could they move Danny Green and get something that they feel would be a better fit? Or, like I said, the buyout market? But I, I just feel like right now, even as good as Embiid is playing, that when it gets to the playoffs, I don't know if they have enough. Especially in particular matchups. Like, when you get to Milwaukee and probably when you get to Brooklyn, tough. Really it tough. Is. They're tough teams. The tough league, Brian. Yeah. Tough league. It is. I mean, but the East is wide open. I don't feel like the West is wide open, but the East feels a really open. The West has like some elite ass teams. Yeah. Whereas the East has a lot of like super good teams. That makes sense. Exactly. Like it sounds so dumb. It sounds so dumb in practice to say that. But I mean, but like, yeah. I can look at the East and I can make an argument for the top six teams. When I look at the West, I have a hard time making an argument for anybody that's not those the, top three are the cemented top three. I would even maybe, say three. Maybe you put Den- maybe you put Denver in the conversation once Jamal Murray. For me, it's maybe. the Suns and the Warriors, and that's it. Memphis isn't at that level. Yeah. Not there yet. Okay. But in the East, I mean, we could sit here and say, well, the Bulls and the Cavs haven't gone through the ringer yet. You know, they don't have the playoff experience, but uh, how much is that going to mean necessarily? I don't know. I mean, with the Bulls, they have veteran players. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting healthy. You know, yeah. with the Cavs, yeah, they're younger, but maybe that's to their advantage because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, a la the Hawks. Yeah, it could be one of those Hawks teams. Ago, you know, or the Suns a season ago. Sure, somewhat. So yeah, I mean, you know. but that's where we are right now. And, you know, and hopefully everybody can get healthy and we see how it all shakes out. Yes, we will. We're not going to call this one a smorgasbord this time. Smorgasbord. I love, I love that we named that episode a smorgasbord around the NBA last, last week. That was great. But I'm sure we'll come up with a better title. But let's keep it in 94, folks. We are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Powered by Ticket Smarter. Powered by Prize Picks. We have a great network for you to listen to. So make sure to subscribe, rate, review, leave a comment, and do the same for us. And here we go. The Dunker Spot with Nikai's Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. New episodes every Tuesday and Friday. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dines with the Ladies. And of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. Then you have us. Keep it at 94. Your boys, Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. I'm on Twitter at Spin Davies. He's on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. And so that's the end of another podcast. Keep it at 94. We're going to send you off right into next week. There's no more football, so all the focus is on basketball until the Super Bowl happens. Enjoy your guys' week. Hopefully you don't get pelted by snow like me here in Northeast Ohio. And until next time, we will see you later.